Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I've wrestled with this a lot over the years because I felt that pressure. Bethany, quit ever like don't do ever anything else. Focus on scaling this DEI thing. Like go all in on that. But as you probably know, as an equity consultant, this work is so taxing and draining. And it's when I mean, it's rooted in your identity. It's so personal. And and I know that I needed a beautiful, flourishing, slower paced place for me to be well, for me to be a healthy human. I'm able to do work around race and equity because I have a place that is a sanctuary for me. And so having both of those things has been really essential. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Bethany, Bethany Wilkinson. Now I have a question for you. Do you think intentions are everything? Good intentions are everything. So whatever situation you're in, if someone has a good intention, should that be the end all be all? Well, whatever you answer is, that's what we discussed today. When it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion, I find that the idea of assuming positive intent is often brought up. And so we dive into our thoughts on this and I hope that you can really reflect on when it's applicable and when it creates a gap in the system, in the workplace and at home. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please make sure you get a book or check her out. The links will be in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is the author of the new book, The Diversity Gap, Where Good Intentions Meet True Cultural Change. Her name is Bethany Wilkinson. She's a social entrepreneur and the author of, again, I was going to say the host, and then I realized it's the same title. Okay. It is, yeah. <laughs> Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Bethany Wilkinson, the social entrepreneur, host of the Diversity Gap, as well as the author of the new book with the same name, The Diversity Gap, where good intentions meet true cultural change. In the book, she provides a leadership framework for shifting organizational cultures from one that has good intentions for racial diversity to one that bravely participates in creating cultures of the future. We're going to be talking about a lot of her personal reflections and things that she's learned over the past 10 years and what it actually takes to create that culture of change. We hear about it a lot, but how can we turn that into meaningful impact? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's such an honor. I can't wait. Well, the pleasure is mine. First of all, I, I know I said it earlier, but congratulations. I know what it's like to write a book and, you know, it can be a labor of love sometimes. So 
Congratulations. Oh, thank you. A labor of love is the appropriate phrase. I think when I, before I wrote the book, I just way underestimated how much time it takes because, you know, I'm thinking I I did a a college degree. I can write some things, Mm -hmm. Um, but sitting down and organizing it into something that you hope can be helpful and actionable for the community that you serve. It's a different endeavor. And so thank you for that. Um, And I know you, you resonate because of your own experience as an author. 100%, 100%. You had a, I was on your website earlier. You had a statement that, that took me by, uh, by surprise, not in a bad way, but I, I wanted to hear what you meant. Cause we always talk about good intentions. Some people agree with it. Some people don't, but you said when it comes to diversity, our good intentions are only the beginning. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, what did you mean by that? By that phrase? I meant that I mean, I meant exactly what I said. You know, it starts with your good intentions. I think a lot of times people, they have these intentions. They want to diversify their teams or build more equitable partnerships or whatever it might be. And they, for whatever reason, whether it's financial or or just truly driven by empathy, they have a good intention, a thing that they set out to do. And if it doesn't work, it's like, oh, well, I meant well. And it's like, cool, I'm happy that you meant well, but how do we shift from just meaning well and thinking that meaning well is like the the complete essence of what we're trying to do here? Let's, how do we change things so that the impact is actually what we initially set out to accomplish? And, and, and I agree with you on that. And the reason I was bringing that up is because when I go into these spaces, sometimes you hear a lot of assumed positive intent. And, and obviously in some situations, yes, it does work, but people will liken that to the idea of being canceled or say, well, this person is a good person. Or how can you, how can you forget all the great things you all went through? And all of a sudden now this person is a horrible person. You want to erase this person. So what do you say to those type of comments? Cause I think that's where that fear is coming from when they feel like you're dismissing the intention behind the action. Mm, so what do I say to those who feel like they're, good intentions aren't being taken seriously or being dismissed. Oh, that they're being dismissed. Oh, that's interesting. I would say your intentions are important and they're valuable. They're just not the whole story. And if we're serious about transformation, we have to look at the big picture. Like this is step one. I'm happy that you mean well, but we need to dig into what is really driving you. Because if you don't, you know, unpack what your motivations really are, like that's a step in the process, then you won't have what it takes to do what the work requires. Yeah. And then I'll add to that is that, you know, when you think about the idea of bridging cultural divides or even fixing the, you know, the diversity gap, there's an element of accountability that needs to, to be held. And there's also this idea of being able to receive feedback and be open to information that you're, you're not used to and decentering yourself, especially if you're used to being uh, one that has been affirmed for so long. And so when something, you know, drives against your system, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's wrong. It's, it's an opportunity for you to pause and reflect and see, oh my goodness, maybe I haven't participated in, in this, um, you know, heinous act of if widening the gap here. I can mm-hmm. learn this behavior. Absolutely. And I think for leaders in general, and I know this isn't easy as a person, it's never easy to receive tough feedback. It's never easy to feel like 
the thing that you have been dreaming about isn't all that it's cracked up to be like, it's not easy, but it is an important posture for someone who seeks to lead and affect change to be willing to receive feedback. And that's related to your equity efforts. That's related to every part of leadership. And I I know it's not easy, but if people could, I don't know, maybe translate their humility and openness to feedback from other areas of their operational life into their equity efforts, maybe that would help. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you do know. I think you do know. You you wrote a great book about it. And (laughs) in the book, you said uh, you provide multiple ways to better understand today's racial climate and its negative impact on the organization. So someone listening, a CEO, a manager, anyone that is in leadership position who has social capital, uh, how would you explain that to them? What type of framework would you give them to better understand the racial climate in their organization and team? So there are a few steps that I would recommend. Um, There are many, and it would have to be comprehensive. I think it's important to to solicit feedback from your team as it is. Um, And you can get creative, whether that's surveys, focus groups, one-on-one interviews. I think it's important to know who what the people on your team, who they are and what they already think about the topic at hand. Um, How are they experiencing the racial climate of today? What gaps are they seeing in your company, organization, community? How do they think you can be better? What are their fears? What are their concerns? I think having that touch point is really important if you're hoping to build a strategy that um, sustains and a strategy that that gets buy-in from your community, from your team, from your organization. And then in terms of frameworks, I like to help organizations leaders get really crystal clear on what they're trying to accomplish. I think of the world of broadly, you know, DEI, I think of the work as, as a bit of an iceberg. And I unpack this in one of the chapters of my book. But if you look at an iceberg at the tip of the iceberg, is where you would see diversity. You know, it's the things that you, it's the metrics, it's what you can count. It's based on the representation of the bodies in the room. That's at the tip of the iceberg. But if you get deeper into this work, you need all of these skills to sustain that diversity at the top level. So you need to be able to do reconciliation work and cross-cultural competency. You need to have like the posture to receive feedback, all of those relational and interpersonal skills are essential if you're going to have a diversity that you can see that's that feels good to people. And then at the very base of that iceberg is where I like to talk about liberation and equity. That's where we're talking about systems. We're asking how is racism functioning in this institution? Who's been exclu- historically excluded and why? And And when we get to the base of the iceberg, we're really talking about shifting everything. And I find that whether you're you know, trying to increase diversity, whether you're trying to um, increase the practices of reconciliation and inclusion, or if you're looking to do liberation and equity work, the the tools that you use, the methodologies are going to be different. And so one of the things I love to do with people is say, hey, what are you actually trying to do here? Because sometimes you'll have a leadership team that's really just thinking about diversity, but you'll have team members who are really trying to do equity and flip the whole thing on its head. And we have to find alignment by getting curious and again, practicing humility. Well, no, thank you for sharing that. I'm very curious now in your years of research and being a social entrepreneur, do you have any examples of companies you've worked with where one, you know, once you got the deliberation aspect of that, the bottom of the iceberg, as you explained, you, you noticed resistance to, you know, to that. Maybe they were so excited about the early stage and then you started to get deeper and deeper and like, "Ah, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I find that 
And this is this has been a, this has been positive. I find that people, when you lay out all the options, and if yeah. you're able to have a clear conversation, they will tell you the truth. They'll say equity sounds great, but I'm I can't lead us there. What does it look like to work on our hiring pipeline? But I have another client who came to me and said hey, we're trying to change our entire industry and we know this is going to take a long time. What work can we be doing now at the base of the iceberg? So we started with a completely different plan for their organization and it's way slower, um, but it's way deeper and it's actually for me way more fun. And so I find that getting clear on the front end helps. Um, It's tricky though, because some people will see a crisis in the news and they'll start using the language of racial equity. But when you get through the door, they're really just talking about diversity. I find that um, helping them to understand that can be a little tricky. And that's why I was asking that question, because I think some people mm-hmm. conflate those two. So if you if you are going to distinctively say what the difference is between DEI and what that uh, that liberation can mean or the social justice lens can be and, and, and what that is, how would you define that for someone who is listening? Maybe the person's a parent. Maybe a person is an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and maybe a person is like, I don't know, an HR or involved in people management. And they're thinking how to explain this or propose this as a solution. Because I do think me being a consultant in this field, I, I sometimes find that people will hire the wrong consultants or they hire the wrong people for a problem that they don't know that they have or they've misnamed. And so mm-hmm. I think clarity in that definition usually helps. Absolutely. I define diversity, I mean, from off the top of my head as being about representation. And so it's about Mm -hmm. the bodies in the room. And so if all of our conversations are about how do we diversify our hiring pipeline and how do we make sure our policies are not exclusionary to certain groups of people, I think a lot of those things, they're they're, um, important but they are different than asking how do we organize our entire company or our entire organization around making sure there are equitable outcomes for people of different backgrounds in this environment. And it's tough because, um, because I, I'm not one who believes in a one size fits all solution to issues related to DEI, you know, so what makes sense for an organization here in Atlanta is going to be different than someone who's in Iowa is going to be yeah. different than someone who's in you know, Seattle. Yeah. Um, so it's tricky to say definitively, but um, I think we have to really do some work to dig into the questions we're asking and to let those questions guide us. So if we're asking, how do I get more people, more black people on my team? You're asking a diversity question. If you're wondering, how do I make sure that our organization is repairing harm to black communities? Then I think that's a liberation question. That's a liberation so, question for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far- When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All your questions. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses, it's a mix of resources, things you can download, and all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out, use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself, okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. Yeah. No, I, I often say questions are, you know, the key to solving many of today's problems. You just have to ask the right questions and then mm-hmm. you get there. Well, let's go back to your background. Now, you, you describe yourself as a writer, researcher, a social entrepreneur. Is that what you knew you were going to be when you were much younger? <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I wanted to be a teacher my mm. pretty much my whole life. And, and I kind of am. I do that in my current roles. Yeah. Um, but I thought I'd be a second grade teacher because I loved my second grade teacher. <laughs> so I just wanted to be her. Um, but I really stumbled into into this work by mostly following my own curiosity. OK, well, what were you curious about? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to know more. We got I want to unpack this. What, what are you curious yes. about? Yeah. So I grew up in a small rural town in middle Georgia and had a lot of experiences, as some might imagine, related to race and racism and these sorts of things. And so by the time I got to college and when I say small town, I mean, like 3000 people, very small town. Yeah, that is small, tiny. And so when I got to college, you know, I moved farm girl, moved to the big city, classic story. And I realized that there were lots of other people in the world asking questions about race. Oh, this is an entire field that people study and have made, you know, they're, they're studying it. They're learning about it. It's, this is amazing. And so in college, I got really interested in sociology and history and education. Um, but I was especially interested in how the theoretical solutions that we talked about in the classroom would translate into actual communities. So part of my education was understanding the big picture you know, theory of it all. But then I also studied community building and social change. I was really involved with the nonprofit community in my city because I wanted to see how do these big ideas play out in real time. And that led me on quite the adventure. I was a community development apprentice for my church for a while. And then I started a farming company, like an economic development farming company with a friend, did that for a few years, transitioned into, um, I worked for another farm. We could get into my farming back on another time, but um, got did more farming because I was like, okay, this is this is a solution to some of the problems facing our community. Let me get involved in this. And it was around 2014, 2015 that um, I was volunteering with this nonprofit organization. They were having lots of 
questions about how to make sense of the evolving racial climate in the world. And I was like, Hey, I studied this stuff and I've thought about it from a lot of different vantage points and I'm a black woman in America. So how about I try to create a solution? And so I designed a training and that kind of took off. And that was back in 2014, 2015. And I've been, you know, following the needs of my community and trying to offer solutions since then. I think it's important to highlight those beginnings, because when you think about today's path, whether it's career path or just finding one's purpose, a lot of us forget that we have had the clues, you know, littered throughout our, our childhood experience or even, you know, formative years. And it's interesting as, as I'm listening to you, you know, you, you've had these experiences, whether it was growing up from small town and then really realizing what it what it, your experience could be like when you were, you know, in, in a town that was more populated and then you just recognizing the problem and affirming your identity and using your identity to, uh, you know, expand yourself as a subject matter expert because you are a black woman in America and you have a lot to offer in spaces that, you know, might've been exclusive in the past. And so I, I always find that connection of affirmation of self uh, and, and self-reflection powerful when, when it's paired with one's career. Absolutely. And I find that, for most of us, as we are trying to figure out what we have to offer as it relates to addressing issues of racism in our society and other issues more broadly, um, I think that a lot of us have the seeds of our so our unique offering in our own stories, mm. like regardless of your background, we each have a unique identity. We each come from a unique family, a unique community. And I think that there are seeds in all of our stories that that really will tell us what it looks like for us uniquely to show up to the issues of our time. Yeah. 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 Can you talk to us about your black lives flourish hair print? Oh. Are you an artist too? Sorry. I am not an artist. <laughs> I was looking at your website. It said shop. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so fun. Um, gosh, where did that start? So that was last summer. That was summer 2020. And you know, the world was, felt like it was on fire. And in yeah. some ways it was. And I live, I, so I moved out of the city a couple of years ago and now I live in middle Georgia again. And at the time I was living with my parents um, and they have a farm here in middle Georgia, 40 plus acres. And, um, and we needed a greenhouse and I had a friend who was an illustrator. Her name is Rachel. And she put out a call looking for black um, business owners who she could support with her art. And so I saw that she made that offer. I'm like, we need a greenhouse. Maybe if Rachel can design something beautiful, I can sell it and we can buy a greenhouse for my family farm. And that's what happened. So she designed the print. I didn't, I released it way later, um, but she designed it and we sold, you know, some copies and bought the greenhouse a couple of months later. I just finished building it two weeks ago. Congratulations. Weeks. For those that don't know what a greenhouse is, by the way, what, what is a greenhouse? And congratulations again. Oh yes. A greenhouse. It's, um, it's a metal and plastic structure that lets us grow plants in the cold season. So it'll just help us ramp up our production year round. This is such a, you know, the, the, the most fascinating thing about you and your career is that you aren't shedding your passions along the way, you know, you, you're an author, speaker, uh, you know, researcher and entrepreneur, but you know, the fact that you, you, you love your, your nature farming and building greenhouses is something that you haven't decided to strip. And I think part of when you, part of white supremacy, when you think about it is almost 
this idea that you have to be in this bucket. You can only do this. Yeah. And if you do that, then you're losing that. And it's, you know, this zero sum game. And you're, you're talking about how you can fill all the elements of your identity and it doesn't have to be in an apologetic format. We don't see those stories enough from, from black women and black people and, mm. and, and, and people in college in general. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think I could do one without the other. And mm. I've wrestled with this a lot over the years because I felt that pressure. Bethany, quit ever like don't do ever anything else. Focus on scaling this DEI thing, like go all in on that. But as you probably know, as an equity consultant, this work is so taxing and draining. And it's when I mean, it's rooted in your identity, it's so personal. And and I know that I needed a beautiful flourishing, slower paced place for me to be well, for me to be a healthy human. I'm able to do work around race and equity because I have a place that is a sanctuary for me. And so having both of those things has been really essential. And that's important. When you think about this, you, you, you highlight the fact that, you know, when you think about your frameworks and how organizations can, can move past, you know, good intention, which is just the first step, there's an element of reflection that needs to come as an organization and personally. It's the same thing that you're doing with yourself and your career. There's nothing in life that you can't really progress and make an impact if you don't understand who you are, why you see the world the way it is, and how you need to use that information of who you are and why you see the world the way it is to then impact change. But if you just react without that reflection, you actually cause more harm because you perpetuate yeah. it. Bar, uh, bad behaviors that you haven't had time to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And it's less sustainable. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so much less sustainable to be, to not be reflective and to just copycat what everyone else is doing. If it's not, and I think I said this before, if it's not rooted in who you actually are, you won't have what it takes to keep showing up to the work and the things that we're advocating for justice, equity, liberation, healing, all of those things take so much time. And so it's important that we have a practice of grounding and centering um, and reflecting. Yeah. It leads to more performative actions and, yes. uh, and, and those things are end up being virtual signaling. Okay. So what is your hope for the book? Mm. My hope for the book is that all the people who have ever asked themselves after a DEI training, yeah, but what do I practically do? Because I get that question a lot. I want them <laughs> to go <laughs> read my book and find some practical solutions. Read Bethany's um, book, okay? It's the <laughs> diversity gap. And it's going to be in the show notes and you must <laughs> look at it and apply those, those tenets there. But yes, carry on. Yes, well, because I think that there is the work you do to understand the problem. And then you have to go on a journey of finding the solution that works in your context. And it's not going to be the same thing for everyone. So in the book, I do my best to share a lot of stories while also breaking down some of the big picture complex issues while mostly saying, Hey, you can try this, or you can try this, or you can try this. Um, at the very end of the book, I have an entire, it's an appendix because it didn't make sense in the chapters of the book, but there's an entire appendix called experiments and strategies. You can flip <laughs> through and say, oh, this is the problem I'm struggling with. Here are two or three things that I can try in my sphere of influence to solve this problem. Beautiful. And uh, for those that don't know, Bethany has this, this uh, reoccurring theme in her life and it's called the diversity gap. Obviously that's the name of the book. <laughs> But it's also the name of your podcast. It's also the name of your academy. So mm -hmm. why? 
I love I, for me to use your difference to make a difference. That, 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 that's, that was the name of the book. It's the name of my mission statement, the name of my company. So I'm always curious about how you, how entrepreneurs come up with the name that they know is going to be tied to their brand. Mm. Well, I think the funny thing is that I didn't know that it was going to be tied to the brand. Oh, you just no. named everything the diversity gap. It was. It was well, no, I mean, like, I mean, when it started, you just never know what something's going to become over time. And so right. originally it was going to just be a project. It's called the diversity gap project. I was doing research. I was interviewing um, thought leaders and entrepreneurs and people about the gap between their good intentions for diversity and the impact of those intentions. And the name came to me while I was driving from a friend's house one night and I'd been yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what am I going to call this thing that I'm about to go do? And that's the name that dropped in my head in my car. Um, And so that's where it came from. And, and I I just kept rocking with it. So I was like, okay, I'm doing the research. Well, that's a good name for a podcast. Oh, well, I guess my book should be called this because that's the same name as the podcast. And then it just made sense to fold it all into, into my consulting and community building work. I love that. I love that. Well, who do you normally bring on your podcast and what is your academy about? Yeah. So on my podcast, I just, I mean, I do similar work that you're doing. I talk to people who are interesting to me about issues of um, race and identity, and I'm focusing more on race and racial identity formation because I'm interested in that. And I really do try to follow my curiosity with, um, with the podcast. And then my work through the diversity gap Academy is I'm, I is mostly workshops and trainings and, um, and providing real-time support to nonprofit organizations. Um, I've, I've realized that most of my experience is with nonprofits. And so they're my favorite clients to work with. 100%. And I'll make sure I put all these in the show notes because I definitely want the audience to be able to get all aspects of your personality and your, the, the dynamics there. Because we all know that people are learners in different formats. Some are auditory, some are visual. And I think it's great that you provide multiple learning formats where you can reinforce all the frameworks that you've come up with. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's part of the journey, you know, creative. Part of the journey is the creative. Before, before we go, I always ask my guests the, this final question. And it's my mission statement, which I just said earlier, use a difference to make a difference. Frame as a question. And so, Bethany, how do you use your difference to make a difference? <laughs> Beautiful question. Thank you. I use my difference to make a difference by, by staying true to who I am. And that sounds like a really simple answer now that I've said it, but yeah, by staying true to who I am, by doing the things that I love, by chasing my curiosity and by believing that in doing those things, I'm adding value to the people around me. I think authenticity is so important and I try to live into it every day. Well, in the world that's constantly trying to change people, I think being authentic is, uh, is, is quite rare actually. So it might be easy, you know, to say, but it's not always simple to apply. So, yeah, I got that. Get that. And you, you have an audiobook as well. So if, if you want to hear her uh, read the book or if you want to read the book in any format, we'll make sure we'll put all those links in the show notes. Is there anywhere else people can get the book? I'm assuming anywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold. Yep. I love to plug bookshop.org as they support, you know, independent bookstores across the country. Um, But yeah, anywhere books are sold, you can grab a copy, grab an extra one for your boss, an extra few copies for your board of directors. Um, This is really for people who are managing and supervising and who are creating culture. It's for them. 
as the book says, ultimately the diversity gap is the quantum shift between well-intentioned organizational diversity programs that do little to move the needle and a lasting culture of equity and belonging that can transform your organization and outpace your industry. Does that sum it up? That sums it up. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Bethany, for coming on. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, being authentic. Of course. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's mine. Kings, queens, and royalty. Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.